up? And thank you for tuning in to the Caged In Podcast presented by Raptors Cage. Uh, as we're kind of starting up and kicking off, I wanted to get in a guest that everyone who's into Raptors media knows. If you're listening to a Raptors podcast, it's likely him. He's the lead Toronto Raptors reporter for Yahoo Sports, the host of the Raptors Over Everything podcasts, William Liu. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. No, thank you. I, uh, I'm i definitely the one who should be should be saying the thanks. You're, uh, you've definitely been one of my main guys I've listened to for, for Raptors content, so it's it's a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess where we are now, we're recording this on May 28th. It's kind of looking like there's quite a bit of promise of a season returning. Uh, we obviously don't know what it looks like right now, but uh, it, it looks like there's a few kind of formats floating around. What, uh, I guess, what what are your kind of thoughts? Like, what is your favorite kind of to kind of look at how the season's looking to continue? Um, I think honestly, probably just bring back the, the playoff teams. Like, uh, I'm sorry, San Antonio. I'm sorry, Portland. You know, like <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, these guys wanted to. They're like, oh, we've got to, you know, made up this gap or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, you had 64 games to play. Uh, you know, obviously every team suffers from circumstances, whatever, but you know, I, I don't think we need to bring all 30 teams back. Just my personal opinion. I'm probably not going to be watching, um, a Cavaliers Pistons game, right? <laughs> Even if it is during a quarantine, I'm good. Like I have other things to do in my life. So, um, bring back the 16 playoff teams and then whether you want to see it one through 16, uh, regardless of conferences, or if you just want to stick with traditional conference play, I'm cool with that. But, um, but yeah, just, just give me the playoff teams, man. There's, I'm not really missing out on too much. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm cool if they decide to bring back 20. I definitely, like you said, don't care to, you know, watch like the Hornets and the Bulls and all of them play, but I'm cool mm-hmm. if they find a way to bring back the 20 while still, you know, keeping it relatively the same because I think, and I listened to your most recent pod when you were talking about, you know, asterisks and I'm definitely not a big fan of putting asterisks on championships, but if they change the playoff format around to a point where it's just completely a one-off and completely different from the others, uh, I feel like it provides a bit of reason for an asterisk, but even still then. So I definitely want to see the playoff format kept at least relatively the same, whether it's one through 16 or one through eight in both conferences. Yeah. I mean, like the world cup pool of style, which I definitely support. I'm a big soccer fan, but um, you know, that doesn't really feel authentic to me in a basketball sense. Yeah, it, I th- um, like I think it would be super fun, but like you said, it's just it it would be weird if it was just this random one year where they did this and then had yeah. no continuation of it. Yeah, exactly. That's like the ultimate um asterisk there right there, so. Right. But yeah. anyways, this pod we uh I kind of wanted to come up with a topic that was like kind of unique, obviously with no games, no off-season transactions going on and then obviously we're still fully unsure of how the season is going to continue so I wanted to come up with something that hasn't been done and I think I came up with it so basically what we did is we gave player grades to the Raptors players but we did it in comparison to our preseason expectations so just a little bit of the criteria so a C is basically where they met our preseason expectations spot on they performed exactly how we expected them to and then a D is, you know, just kind of slightly underperforming. Maybe they still lived up to some of them, or maybe they just slightly underperformed all of them. And then in the same sense of B is they played a bit above. And then obviously an A is they played well above our expectations. And an F is just they, like, either we strongly overshot their expectations or they really underplayed them. So, and then I guess just a couple other notes. We didn't include the two-way guys, and then we didn't include Dewan Hernandez just simply because, what, he played like 20-something minutes this year, 30-something 
Uh, yeah, I definitely saw more of him in summer league than than their actual season. Yeah, so he's obviously been out with that ankle injury, which it's really weird how long he's kept that boot on for. But I, yeah, it's obviously serious. So let's move on. Uh, let's go to the first one: Malcolm Miller, uh, averaging zero point nine points on the season. Shooting percentages aren't that great. Uh, Will, what'd you give him? Uh I, I want to be I want to be fair to some of these guys just because they didn't necessarily have an opportunity to do much, but I think D is appropriate for this. Um, the thing is, your expectations for Malcolm Miller isn't that high. We're talking about like the thirteenth uh, man on the roster, and he comes in and you know delivers some threes. To be honest, I don't remember him playing in any important moments other than the thirty point comeback, in which uh, he actually got a couple of great deflections, um, some steals during that stretch, and. Um, you know, that was cool, but, I, you know, that's like the only important moment I remember him playing in this year. So uh, if, you know, look, the Raptors have been banged up, too. That's the thing. So if you couldn't crack the rotation in a, in a year where the Raptors needed bodies this badly, um, then, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But it's 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 a D for him. Sorry. Yeah, he played 125 total minutes. Like, I don't remember that. I don't know, like, where I was. I think it must all be garbage time, man. Yeah, other than, well, like you said, uh, funny enough, so I gave him a D-, and I feel like the only thing holding him back from the F is just the fact that I know he was in the game during that Dallas comeback, even though mm-hmm. he missed, like, two wide-open pretty big shots. But, I mean, like, my expectations weren't huge of him. I just thought, coming into the season, with OG Ananobi being the only one who was technically positionally labeled as a small forward, I thought there would be some opportunity for him to, you know, at least not crack the rotation, but get a bit more minutes and be productive with his minutes. And obviously, he didn't get a ton of opportunity, but yeah, as, as you said, with, with how injured they were, and if he can't prove his, his you know, his minutes and his worth then, then that's that's pretty hard. Yep. But he's been in the NBA three years now, so good for Malcolm. Yeah, I mean, from all I've heard, and obviously I've, I've never talked to him or had any interactions, but it sounds like he's he's a really nice guy, and he seems like it. I mean, he's always smiling, so. Yeah, he's he's definitely a thoughtful guy, thoughtful dude. But, um, yeah, in terms of, like, how he produced for the Raptors this year, at least specifically within games, it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, we can move on from him. He didn't do a ton. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was surprised that you started with Malcolm Miller. Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to. You sound, really hopped into it. <laughs> I don't want to sound like rude, but like going from like the bottom to the top kind of thing. But okay, I, okay. I didn't want to say I'm gonna start from the bottom. Here's Malcolm Miller. So I just. Oh well, if you were starting from the bottom, you would have started with Stanley Johnson. Well, he's actually who we're going to next. Uh, oh wow. Okay. I uh, he is the one guy I gave an F to. Uh, yep. And I mean, I think part of it has to do with not that I had huge expectations for him, but just the fact that he was the first guy signed after Kawhi officially signed with the Clippers. There was at least some sort mm. of like, oh, at least we got Stanley Johnson, right? Good defender. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much to say. If you've watched Raptors basketball this year, you you're very aware why I gave him this grade. Yeah, no, I, I completely completely agree. Um, I think there was maybe some expectation that he can win this the backup small forward spot. You know, as you mentioned, like, um, there is an opportunity there on the roster. Like, you obviously, the Raptors lose two starting caliber wings in the offseason. And so when you bring in a guy like Stanley Johnson, look, he hasn't produced that much early in his career, but we're talking about a former eighth overall pick. Um, 
you know, he wasn't in great developmental situations. Like, I wouldn't say Detroit's famous for developing young talent and getting the most out of them. And then he got moved to the Pelicans um, for half a season. Uh, you would just would have thought that the Raptors development team would have taken a guy like this and sort of, um, you know, helped him actualize his potential. Because Raptors do have this ability to, um, you know, just develop guys, especially if they have the right mentality and things like that. There was a great development system here. And really, the only thing I, w- I could say in Stanley's favor is that, like, you know, it, it seemed like he got along with everybody. Um, and, you know, he was willing to go down to the G League to right. get more reps, which, um, you know, because of his uh, service time in the NBA, he needs to approve that. He needs to consent to that. And he did that. And he was willing to work on his game um, just to stay sharp. But at the same time, like, yeah, it's it's undeniably... He's, it was just very disappointing to see Stanley Johnson this year, right? I think right off the bat, Nick Nurse, you know, was asked in preseason, like, hey, you got all these new defenders in, you know, uh, Stanley and Rondé, they got defense reputations. And Nick Nurse was like, I mean, yeah, they got defense reputations for coming from Detroit. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're Nick a championship Nurse organization over impressed. here. Yeah. He's like, I'm, he doesn't know the offense. He doesn't know the defense. So I'm not going to play him. And he never did. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing we know uh, from these past one and a half years, I guess, is if you play hard defense, uh, like, Nick will play you. Like, he obviously Mm -hmm. is very big on defense. And that's that's really the one kind of positive we knew of Stanley Johnson because he's never been that great of an offensive player. You know, he's never been that great of a shooter. But what thing we know about him is that he's strong and he's typically known as a good defender. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the one F I gave out, so... We don't need to talk anymore about him. Obviously, he he totaled a very little amount of minutes. Uh, let's move up to Matt Thomas. Uh, obviously, came in. We knew he was a sharpshooter. Uh, that stat kind of came out about him shooting like eighty-two percent effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot shots, and then ninety-nine percent when left unguarded. And I know you hear unending praise from Alex about him, but uh, it just made all the fans go absolutely crazy. I tried to approach the expectation from a most realistic point of view as possible because I didn't want to just, you know, say, oh, he shoots like this. He's going to be better than Kyle Korver. But uh, to me, I gave him a C plus because I felt like all the expectation I had of him was that he was going to be a good catch and shoot guy and just useless everywhere else. But I was pretty impressed with his off the dribble game and his ability to like at least somewhat create and then, you know, at least like catch and then dribble off a closeout. So I don't know what you gave him. Yeah, I, I gave him like a, I gave him like a C. Um, I, I think really the one thing with Matt is I think he needs to get more shots up. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're gonna come in, I mean, look, it's it's not fair to to say a guy who only plays like nine minutes a game should shoot up a bunch of times, but that's his only role. Uh, I mean, obviously he could space off the and and that contributes to the offense, but um, you know he needs to be more active and looking for shots. And there were times where he was able to do that. Um, I mean, he had a 17-point quarter, which is pretty impressive. Like, how many Raptors in history yeah. have had 17-point quarters? It's like it's like Chris Bosh. Like, and he like caught Pascal, a reverse alley-oop. And he caught a reverse alley from Surge, which is uh, <laughs> probably the play of the season for me in terms of most unexpected. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, I just think he needs to get his attempts up. But he can clearly shoot. It's very, very obvious. He has really good confidence. And he has pretty good fundamentals. Um, I thought, look, defensively, he just... He was lost on a, a couple of times, but I thought overall it wasn't that bad defensively. Like it was sort of manageable as a bench guy, and you know, surprisingly decent rebounder. Um, you know, I want to see more of the ball handling and things like that. But uh, as a, as a rookie, in terms of as just like a pure shooter, 
uh, he did fine, so I give him a C. Right, and that's that's why I went just a little notch above a C was that the defensive uh, end, like he obviously not great, and he's not going to lock a guy up, but like his effort made it made him manageable, as you said, and he he definitely didn't look like an absolute ghost on that end, but you know there's still mm-hmm. some room to improve. Um, why don't we move on to Chris Boucher? Uh, he obviously. He really impressed me personally, and mainly that was because with you know coming into the season with Gasol and Ibaka on the roster, there wasn't much room for Boucher to play. And I mean, if those if both those guys were healthy, I'm sure he probably wouldn't have played either. But in the few minutes he got, I mean, I was really impressed. His shot obviously dropped off a bit, but just his energy, his rim protection, I mean, even his protection of the three point line, like his ability to just sprint out and block three point shooters. Uh, so I went with a B plus just because I was expecting literally nothing of him and. I felt like his minutes were fairly productive. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing with Boucher because there was a lot of times where he would come in and not provide anything. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it, you know, there was a lot of games where he wasn't useful. And so his overall numbers look bad. But there was just a couple of games where he really popped. And in those games when that happened, um, you know, the Raptors really needed it. So he came up clutch for the Raptors in many ways. Like like in that 34-point comeback, Boucher was the second best player on the floor. Outside of Kyle Lowry. Now, granted, it was like the third stringers and Kyle <laughs> yeah. Lowry, but like Boucher made the game-winning dunk, right? Uh, yeah. He made like, f- I think he blocked three threes in that stretch it's too. Crazy. So it's like he's really good at blocking threes. And then you got the Dallas game, you got that Phoenix game where the Raptors were starting Rondé at center and it wasn't going. And then Boucher comes in, starts the second half, and he gives you 19 and 15 on the road. I know, I, I understand it's Phoenix, but that was a tough. That was a that was a that was a tough game given the circumstances. No surge, no uh, mark. Mm-hmm. And Boucher comes in, gives you a great effort there. The Lakers game on the road, That's Boucher the was massive, massive in that game too. So honestly, I think Boucher came up big for the Raptors in important spots. And look, he's a third string center, and as you mentioned, when everyone's healthy, he doesn't play that much. Um, and sometimes when he doesn't play that much, he comes in and forces his game a little bit, and his overall rates drop down. But there is um, an energy about his game, you know, when he's locked in. Uh, and when he's paired with a really good point guard like Kyle Lowry, he can really um, just focus on rolling hard to the basket. I think that's also something that the Raptors don't have a lot of in terms of their bigs is that like Mark obviously is a pick and pop guy, set a screen, move the ball, stay at the three point line. Serge is uh, a lot more of a pick and roll mid range game. He'll he'll duck in, you know, put in a little hook shot. The only guy who's rolling hard to the basket on the Raptors is Boucher. He's going like 100 percent towards the rim. He's getting fouled um, very hard. Uh, I don't know. He takes some of the biggest hits on the team. And I thought he played really well this year. So I, I'm going to give him like a B- minus for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and his rebounding ability for his size is really impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. obvi- like obviously when a guy has position on him and he's boxing him out, he's not going to fight, be able to fight through that. But just his energy and his length and his, his jumping ability and his ability to scream at the top of his lungs, it's uh, he, he can grab a lot of boards and put, put uh, a lot of putbacks too. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, too, right? Because how many other Raptors are focused on getting offensive rebounds, right? Because Nick Nurse's defensive philosophy, at least you know, with regard to this current team and the roster that he has, mm-hmm. is that they don't really go after offensive rebounds like that. Um, they prioritize you know, winning the transition game, both in terms of scoring a lot uh, in transition off their own stops, and then definitely getting back and not allowing the opponents to get out in transition. Uh, and so pretty much everyone's priority is getting back. Uh, but if you look at Boucher, he, you know, he was probably the only guy that was instructed to consistently go after uh, offensive rebounds to chase them, especially because, you know, sometimes he's a center 
and he'll space the floor, uh, and people will fail to box him out because he's at the three-point line. So he's he's going to c- crash in once in a while when the defense doesn't really lock in and box out on him. And we know he has athleticism and size to finish. So, um, yeah, Boucher's – it was nice. It was a real change of pace watching Boucher. Um, but I appreciated what he did this year for sure. Yeah, and I've always really had a thing for a big who's willing to, you know, protect the rim and then also be the first one back down the floor rim running. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just that's, – it's that's always like a really impressive – trait and yeah i mean we probably won't see much of him going forward as long as you know hopefully gasol and abaka stay healthy throughout you know the rest of the season in the playoffs but yeah i i was really impressed with his year uh let's go on to the toronto raptors fans favorite time of the show uh patrick mccaw so uh i'll let you take the lead on this one (laughs) uh i I would say i would say like a, a d plus Okay. Um, I I don't want to be too rude to him. I, I think you know the advanced stats definitely aren't aren't favorable to him. And there's definitely a lot of games where he's out there, and because he's so tentative on offense, it's like the Raptors are playing four on five. But I mean, at the same time, like his role is he's caught in a very strange situation where his role, at least as given to him by Nick Nurse, is way bigger than the one that sort of his abilities merit. And I don't know necessarily if that's, uh, you know, if the Raptors are trying to develop him because they really believe in him. And he does have some very, you know, solid fundamentals to to work off of. Um, but the reality is the, pro- the product on the floor just wasn't as good as it needed to be. Like, um, you know, that being said, I, I do think that, you know, being an unselfish guard is very rare in this league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does pressure the ball. He, he is a pretty good defender. Um, and that's where I definitely don't agree with the stats there because I really do think he he does some good things defensively. Um, but realistically, he was s- just such a liability offensively, especially at times where he was un- just unwilling to shoot that um, that it hurt the team a little bit. So I, I would say D plus, but it, I, I I don't know, man. It, it's just mostly it was just tiring to have this conversation over and over again because on a season where the Raptors exceeded all expectations. Uh, are the third seed right now in the entire league, second in the Easter Conference, three games up on the Celtics. With all these injuries and coming off this high of the championship, um, the only thing anyone ever had to complain about was McCaw, so it was, like, disproportionately discussed. Yeah. Uh, and that was just annoying because, like, why are you complaining about so much, man? Have some perspective. Like, it's 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 all good. If McCaw is your biggest problem, then you're, you're, you're doing pretty well. Right, and like he averaged twenty four and a half minutes a game, which is obviously a ton. It's unbelievable. It's like, <laughs> unbelievable. I didn't know it was that many until I looked up on Basketball Reference. Uh, oh I, I thought it was going to be like fifteen or so, but I mean, with all the injuries, like I don't want to say who else you're going to put in, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I was a little more favorable than you. Uh, I gave him a C minus, which is literally just a one notch above. But I think that's honestly just because I didn't have the same or. I just didn't have high expectations for him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe he dropped a bit, and um, maybe that's just because he had more opportunities than literally anyone else to continually drop in my eyes. But, I mean, like, I did not... I saw him as a solid defender. You know, he can play on ball really well. Pressures the ball, as you said. Offensively, I just... I don't know. He, He shouldn't be a primary ball handler, but obviously, I guess, when you have Kyle or Fred out a lot kind of has to be but i mean they're, well, yeah. they also they also have him on the ball just to sort of initiate um right. you know y- you want kyle and fred off the ball occasionally because a lot of the sets require them to come off screens like a shooting guard 
So you need someone handling the ball. Mm-hmm. And normally, I guess you would have Mark in that situation. But um, with him out of the lineup as well, they kind of basically turned McCaw into like a weird guard version of Marc Gasol. Well, not, not comparing them because really they're very vastly different in terms of how effective they are. But, you know, that was kind of his role. And in that role, he was okay. So mm-hmm. I, I hate Raggy on McCaw, man. It's, it yeah. just sucks. It, it, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like, I, I just didn't want to, you know, hate on him simply because Nick Nurse gave him a ton of minutes. Like, that, like, it's not his choice to play 25 minutes a game. Like, he's not just subbing himself in. And I think, yeah, the, exactly. I think the funniest thing I ever saw, well, not ever saw, but I think it was something that really made me laugh was someone posted, like, I think it was John Wall's high school mixtape. And then they said Patrick McCall in practice. And I was like, it like, oh man. <laughs> but I mean, I, like, as a coach, you know which players are doing the little things you ask. And for all we know, there could be some very little things that Nick is asking of Patrick McCall, and he's fulfilling all those things, which is why he continues to gain his trust and get minutes. So, I mean, without taking part in practice, you know, a lot of us don't know the full story behind it. And I mean, obviously, Nick Nurse trusts him, and clearly it hasn't affected mm-hmm. us that much. We're still third in, in the league and second in the East with a ton of injuries, so clearly he's not just dropping the Raptors out of the playoffs. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so let's go on to Rondé, a new addition to the Raptors, uh, another guy who Nick Nurse at the start was not overly impressed with his defensive game, but he's grown into a role where he's a very good hustle defender, uh, offensively extremely limited. Uh, I mean... I feel like okay. I feel like he can create offense decently well for a guy who has like no jump shot and almost n- and like very limited finishing ability. Like I still feel like he somehow creates like offense for either himself or you know just from kind of a mid range position. And he just muscles his way into his spots down low. So I mm. I, w- I went with a B minus just because you know I I knew he would be a hustle guy, but I didn't know how good of a defender he actually was until he came over this year. Yeah, I, I would say B minus as well, just because. With Rondé, it's kind of similar to Boucher in a way where there were a lot of games where Rondé really stepped up for the Raptors when they really needed him to. I mean, I would say Rondé's defining play of the season uh, or moment of this season was, you know, 5 p.m., maybe two hours before tip-off. Nick Nurse comes into the locker room and tells him, yo, you're playing center tonight because Sarge is sick and you got to guard Car Anthony Towns. Uh, You know, just an incredibly offensively talented center. And he went out there and outplayed Carl Anthony Towns, and yeah. that was during the, that was the fifteenth win for the Raptors during that fifteen game win streak. Um, unbelievable, and he just showed so much heart. I mean, the only thing with Rondé is, I mean, look, his flaws are very obvious. Like, it's actually, I wouldn't say it's like Ben Simmons level, but it's it's almost that bad when you watch him shoot threes. Um, mm-hmm. There's just like no consistency as to where it goes. Like, if you see a guy missing a lot of shots, it's like, okay, you know, if you're missing consistently one area, then you have a decent shot. You know, just something's not really fully working there. With Rondé, it's just like a complete random, like, it, it could go anywhere. It could hit backboard. Uh, it could airball. Like, it just, you know, whatever. But really, the, the my concern with Rondé is just there were almost times where he was too um, too worked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And there were, there were games where he would almost take himself out of the game because – he was disappointed in himself or the you know um the decision or whatever and it's not saying he's a, it's an attitude thing because it's a good attitude he, like he really really wants to play and he wants to succeed he's an unselfish player as well but um you know i think that that focus uh, sometimes was lacking with him and i think that kind of resulted in some inconsistent performances where sometimes he will come into a game 
and be like a minus 18 in 13 minutes. And you're just like, what happened here? But I think ultimately his on-ball defense, phenomenal. Like, um, you know, the Raptors had that great win against Portland on the road and shorthanded. And it was Rondé in there spending a lot of time guarding Damian Lillard. And Lillard had nine points that game. Like, I mean, when are you ever seeing Dame Lillard score single digits? So, um Rondé really did that. And then, of course, his defense against Kawhi, man. He forced Kawhi into a career high in terms of turnovers. So um, Rondé had ups and downs. Overall, I would say it's slightly above average. Yeah, and that's that's why yeah we both went with the B minus. Uh, his defense, like like you mentioned, very very good. And he's good. He's a really good rebounder for his size. Because what is he only like six five or something? Like he's he's six not, five. Yeah, he's not the biggest. And I mean, yeah, I I wrote down that game versus Minnesota too, where he held Towns to five of thirteen shooting, and you know it's it would be impressive for a six five guy to hold any seven footer to five of thirteen, let alone you know one of the most talented offensive centers in the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really like him and every team, you know, if, if you're a championship team, you just need that hustle guy and, you know, a guy that you don't necessarily look to offensively. You know, it obviously benefits you if he can perform productively on the offensive end, but you just need that hustle guy who's really willing to just be absolutely dirty and grab every loose ball and grab rebounds. So I, I really like the, the Rondé pickup for Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess let's go on to the rookie now, Terrence Davis. I'll let I'll let you lead this one off. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, B plus um, in terms of just expectations. I remember talking to him in preseason. Uh, we did like a sit down interview. And then afterwards, I asked him, like, you know, so what are the plans for you? Like, are you going to like be with the team this year? Are you going to be spending the G League? And he said, like, yeah, I'm kind of expecting to play in the G League. So I, I thought he was going to because he was undrafted and because, you know, the Raptors sort of have this hierarchy and in terms of how they work their players and sort of bring them along. Like I just figured he would spend a lot of time in the G league. That's been a very successful development tool for the Raptors. And he's like played in 64 games this year. Well, I think the only Raptor to play in every single game. Um, and so I'm, I've been really impressed. Like there's lots of ups and ups and downs with a rookie, but we're talking about an undrafted rookie. He came in, had some great moments, um, was one of seven Raptors players this year to have a 30-point game, which is actually kind of unbelievable. Like, how many teams have seven different players go for mm-hmm. 30? Uh, and, you know, you see the offensive potential. And similar to all these other bench guys like Rondé and, and, and Boucher, the same pattern is that Terrence Davis would, you know, have these very, very big moments where he would step up and help the team when they were really down. And, you know, again, that Lakers game really stands out. Like, he's only 13 points, but for undrafted rookie to come in play primary backup because Kyle's out and Fred can't play all 48 minutes. So he comes in and then he's playing in the fourth quarter where he hits a whole bunch of clutch threes to help the Raptors beat the Lakers on the road. And there's one three in particular where he's standing right in the corner. I think Rondé's pushing in transition and Rondé kicks it out to him in the right corner and the right corner is right in front of the Lakers bench. So you got like Jared Dudley tweeting at him. You got like five other guys standing up right on the sideline, yelling at this guy, screaming in his ear and, you know, Terrence Davis just like, you know, you know, cans the jumper and it's it's unbelievable. So I, I thought he had great confidence for a rookie. Um, you know, his mentality is great and just really one of my personal favorites to uh, to deal with, interact with all season. He's just like a really positive dude, um, really humble. And uh, yeah, so great, great job, Terrence Davis, man. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I I was really impressed with him and I really liked him and as you mentioned the the realistic expectation for him heading into the season was that he was going to, you know, develop a lot in the G League and the Raptors have, you know, one of the best development, you know, kind of systems in the league with the 905 and 
You know, I thought just like Fred and just like Pascal and Pirtle and DeLon in their, you know, beginning stages that he would develop a lot in the G League. But then obviously, as we, it's been a narrative over and over this season. The Raptors have been so injured that they've had to call guys up. And Terrence Davis is really, really impressed. I mean, for an undrafted rookie in their rookie season to have four games over 20 points, like, I just, that's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's really impressive. And, you know, so I gave him an A minus. Uh, I just, I really like his offensive game is really, really f- like he he basically has everything in his bag. It's just not up to an absolutely elite level. Like he can shoot off the catch. He can drive. He's uber athletic. And then, you know, as a defender, you know, he's a big guard. So you can, you know, sacrifice playing those two guard lineups with him because he can match up against most shooting guards. So I, yeah. I really like him. And I mean, just another great undrafted pickup for Masai. Yeah, um, fun Terrence Davis stat. He scored 12 points uh, or more 17 times this season. The Raptors are 17-0 when he scored 12 points. Crazy. So when he was going off the bench, and obviously he was inconsistent, like as any bench player would be, especially as a rookie. But when he was on, the Raptors won, period. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's a really good player. And how, did they sign him to a three-year deal, was it? Or is it two, two years? Twos? Two years, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think as long as, you know, the the cap, you know, stays relatively the same, he'll he'll likely be back unless he gets an absolute monstrous deal from somewhere. Uh, let's move on to the player who I personally gave the biggest grade to on the season, and that was Norman Powell. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. the, his jump from 8.6 to 16.4 points, he jumped in rebounds and assists, and his efficiencies, they, uh, they either stayed the same or they went up with it. And, I mean, if he didn't miss 20 games, he probably would be in the race for maybe even both six man of the year and most improved like he he's been really good when he's played and it kind of seems like every time he really starts to hit his stride and get going he gets hurt again because I think he's had three separate stints with injury one happened just before the suspension am I correct on that um yeah I mean he got hurt in that Utah game in like a minute in mm-hmm. uh, but he was fine actually he, he was gonna play the next game uh, if the season had continued, so that's good. But of course, that actually the next game was going to be Detroit, so it's probably good that he didn't play that game. <laughs> um, but yeah, as as you mentioned, man, um, Norm was <laughs> Norm was unbelievable. Like I, I think I'm going to give him an A, just because I think we all knew he had this potential, but he finally hit it. And then when you finally see him put it all together, you're like, wow, he always had these star tools, and he's actually displaying them consistently. I think it's just a guy who. Finally sort of figured out his role in the NBA, finally figured out how he's going to approach the game, the seriousness in which he's going to approach the game, the focus he's going to watch to approach the game, the confidence and everything like that. And I think that stuff is really, really big, man, because, you know, um, he was really close with Kawhi last year. Uh, you know, the two guys obviously um, being from that uh, the San Diego program. And, you know, it, it's just I think he learned a lot from both Kawhi and Danny in terms of just how they got to approach the game and, and everything like that. And especially that level headed mentality. And, you know, what we've seen with Norm this year is he hasn't let anything bother him. And pretty much after Nick Nurse called him out and said, look, man, I can't have you giving me 26 points one game or zero the next. Like, I need some consistency out of you. From that point onward, he averaged 19 points per game. And that was like over a three-month stretch. So it sucks that he got hurt so many times, but he was really good for the Raptors this year. And I, I think there's really just – it's not even necessarily his skill set uh, improved that much. It's just recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, he was able to get over 30% of his possessions in transition, which uh, is his strength. Like, he's a really, really athletic guy. He can get out in transition. He's able to finish. 
Um, he has, you know, Euro steps. He can finish with either hand. He could dunk, obviously, stuff like that. So Norm was just able to get to his spots more efficiently and put it all together. And, yeah, this is the result, man. I'm, I'm thrilled for Norm. Yeah, his shooting is what – I mean, his finishing, sorry, is what really, really impressed me because uh, before he would just get going so hard to the rim that he'd just clank it off the backboard or he would miss one way or the mm -hmm. other. And there were times literally all last season and this offseason that people were just crying that his $10 million per year contract was too much and it was just an overpay and that we needed to trade him. But, I mean, I, I went with an A-plus simply just because I was so impressed with him. And like I said, I think – he would legitimately be in the race for both those awards if it weren't for his 20 games missed. Uh, I guess we can move on to Serge Ibaka, another guy who I was extremely impressed with. I feel like he's just on the up and up, and you know everyone knew that coming off the bench for a championship team as he did last year, you know he wasn't, you know he didn't have any problems with that. But people were kind of skeptical this year if he'd be willing to come off the bench, being a contract year and seeing as the Raptors weren't necessarily expected to contend for a championship. Uh, but it, it it's like I don't know what's going on within the locker room. I doubt it's anything. But from anything we've heard in the public, like he perfectly accepts his role and he plays it flawlessly. And I mean, due to a lot of Mark's injuries, he started a lot of games. The his shooting ability has really really impressed me this year. Whether it's from three or whether it's on that little you know short roll into a pick and pop game with Kyle, uh, and, and he he's really set himself up for a, a, a solid contract at the end of the year. I think. Yeah, I think Serge is the definition of a winner, man. Um, you know, there was that stat that came out. I forget where, but it was like in the the last decade, so 2010 to 2020 um, or 2019, uh, the winningest players. I, it was LeBron, obviously, number one. The number two player in terms of most wins over that that decade was Serge Ibaka. And, of course, Crazy. that has to do with the fact that he played with some great players in OKC uh very briefly was in orlando randomly but then he came to toronto another really winning program so he's been on winning teams but he's contributed to that right like this year in particular as you mentioned being unselfish to come off the bench uh is is great um but he sort of accepted his role and made the most of all of his roles um he's done a really good job of just sort of um you know growing his game which is rare for a guy who's 10 plus years into his career um, you know, coming off a championship like that motivation, that drive to continue to improve uh, has always been there for Serge. And, for, and, and you know, I think there are tangible improvements in which Serge made. Like he's when he first came to the Raptors, he was not necessarily, uh, you know, very sure handed, um, you know, and his finishing around the basket, less something to be desired. Uh, he would sometimes miss easy opportunities. Nowadays, when you when you throw the ball down a surge near the post, he's gonna take his time. He's gonna get that hook shot up. It's a little bit of an old school game, but he's gonna make that shot. He's gotten really good with that. And you know, defensively, he's no longer chasing after blocks nearly as much as he did. This is the first time in his career he's averaged less than a block per game. But he's also done a really good job protecting the basket in terms of his scheme. Like his his rim protection numbers are still really really good. So mm -hmm. you throw in the fact that he's giving you pretty much 18 and 10 as a starter this year, and he started 27 games. So, um, yeah, I, I would give Serge an A as well. Yeah, and his passing's going really good. Like, even last year when he was good and a productive player, there were still times when you knew if he was getting the ball, he was putting it up. Like, it didn't matter who mm -hmm. was on him or where he was. I mean, that, that shot over Ben Simmons in the playoff last year is a perfect example of that. Now, obviously, it went in, so everyone just praises him for it. But, like, realistically, like, that is just not a Serge shot. But he's a... Uh, He's gotten really good at passing this year and kind of you know seeing guys out of the high post. So, I, I yeah, I mean, an A, and I think he's good. Uh, 
We'll try to hustle through this starting line because I know you have to get going. Uh, OG Ananobi. Uh, I maybe this is a little unfair. I gave him an A minus. Maybe it should be an A. Uh, I just I think he's one of the best isolation defenders in the league. One of the best on ball defenders in the league. Uh, I I was hoping for a little bit more of a off the dribble game, a little bit more of an on ball game, and I think we did get a bit more of it. But it's still just it looks really really awkward when he dribbles. But for a three and D guy, he's literally the the perfect prototype. Yeah, I think he's filled his role. Um, so I, I, I would give him an A as well. Um, I totally understand where you're coming from, though, because it seems like he has the potential to do more. And I think really it's just to keep everything in perspective, right? Because, you know, he's – I think he's the youngest guy on the roster who yeah, was consistently so. in the rotation. I think Terrence Davis is older than him by like a month or something, which is wild because this is already OG's third season. But, uh, yeah, really efficient in his role, you know, 50% from the field, 38% from three. Uh, maybe he can work on the free throw shooting. That's a weird gap in his game, but um, definitely had some really, really big moments. I think for OG, it's just like consistency as well. Like there's certain games where he comes in and he's really aggressive and um, he's really able to impact two ways, right? He's always going to be good defensively, but uh, that aggressiveness on offense, you know, kind of comes and goes. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I thought OG did really well. Uh, yeah, no complaints about OG, man. I'm going to give him an A. Yeah, and I know you've talked about this before, but uh, the move to power forward, obviously, theoretically, with his his body size, like he should be able to play it. And he really, like, he wasn't bad at power forward, but out on the wing, playing alongside, you know, two other guys who are, you know, quote unquote, bigger than him. Uh, I he's definitely better, you know, out on the wing, guarding threes and playing that kind of position. Uh, yep. Let's go to Marcus Saul. I, I feel really bad for this one because it's not that he had a bad year. Like when he played, he played well. Uh, it's just he barely did play and I think just the fact that sometimes I literally just want him to shoot more like it's not even that I'm complaining that I want him to make more shots because he shoots it he shoots at a fairly productive rate like he's 40% from three I believe yeah he's 40% from three Uh, he just Mm -hmm. he doesn't shoot it like and I understand passing is a strength of his game and he's really good at it but there's times where he'll just look for a swing pass right away when his man is like five feet off him so I went with a bit. I went with a C minus, and once again, that's obviously based off of the expectation. He just played a little bit below of what I was expecting this year on the offensive end. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think um, you know he obviously had a really long summer. Uh, he obviously played. He obviously won the championship. Took a month off, and then went straight to playing in training camp for the Spanish national team, and then took the Spanish national team to uh the world cup uh gold um so that's amazing but yeah like he just it was a wild schedule man like he maybe had like a week off he was in china for the tournament you know i think he went to spain to celebrate you know went to barcelona then was immediately sent to um uh japan for preseason so like just the amount of flights and everything like that and i think it took him a lot of time to just sort of get his conditioning everything like that because at the start of the season yeah he just wasn't really Marcus all like he was passing up shots he was still contributing he was still productive because he's a very smart veteran he knows exactly what to do but it was a very limited version of mark towards the second half of the season we started seeing more um but yeah for the most part i thought gasol played his role fine um you know he, he just could have done more of it so i, I think a, a c's a, a c plus somewhere around there is 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 appropriate yeah, and obviously, I mean, father time catches up with you, but this is his first season ever not averaging double-digit points. So, And obviously, you know, his role is different here than it was in Memphis, but at the same time, yeah, just 
just shoot a little bit more. That's all I'm asking. Just take an open three because he, he shoots them pretty well. Uh, yeah. Let's go on to Fred Van Fleet. Uh, I gave him a B minus. I kind of, you know, coming off the finals, I expected him to be, you know, a really good off the ball three point shooter. Um, I still don't know how I feel about him being the lead point guard on a team. And obviously, you know, he kind of proved that he has somewhat of an ability. When when Kyle went out, they went 9-2. and two, And obviously, you know, you still had Pascal being one of the primary ball handlers. And Fred still tends to dribble the arrow to the ball a little too much. And obviously, just due to his height, you know, his finishing struggles a bit. But, I, I mean, still, Fred's been great this year. And he, he's been really, really good, especially the fact that they're playing two guards, you know, six foot or under at the starting lineup together. Like there's been no issues defensively at all. So yeah, I went with a B minus. I, I really like Fred. Yeah, this is where I gotta disagree with you, man. B minus is too low for Fred. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm giving I'm giving him A minus. Look, here's the thing with Fred. I, I think he's definitely exceeded expectations in the sense that it's similar to OG, right? Like you do you, you know it, the expectation for him was hopefully he can reach his potential as a starting level guard. And if I told you before the season that he was going to average 17.6 points per game, his assists were going to jump up to 6.6, he's going to be fourth in the NBA in steals and first in deflections per game. Uh, he's still going to be – I mean, look, he's not really going to be like a 50-40-90 guy. He's just it's not possible for him in his current skill set and his size. Um, but, you know, he's still going to be basically at the same level of efficiency as before but also remain pretty much elite defensively. And, you know, uh, do all this against starting level competition, which is the first time he's really fully started. Um, You know, if you're going to give OG an an A for fulfilling his role, Fred's this was Fred's role this year. And he did that really well. So I definitely see the nitpicks in his game for sure. Um, There's definitely a lot more things for him to prove. But uh, he's pretty damn good, man. No, I've I've really been sold on Fred. So, and maybe you're right. Maybe I am a little low on him, but I think a lot of my expectation also kind of stemmed from the fact that I was expecting a bit of a drop off in Kyle's game. So maybe I was Uh expecting him to, you know, have to, you know, play a lot more point guard minutes and have to be more productive. But obviously, with the way Kyle's been playing, he's definitely done more than fulfill his role. So you probably are right. I probably was a little, little low on him. Uh, but you know what you're gonna do. Uh. Let's go on to to Pascal Siakam. Obviously, there was there was you know kind of hints and kind of people complaining about the max extension. Did he deserve it? Did he not? And he just came out game one versus New Orleans and proved that he 100 percent deserved it. And he kept it out through the whole year. He obviously started in the All Star game, 23.6 points per game. Probably could very uh, it'll be close making the All NBA third team, but at least he's right up there in the running for it. Uh, he, he he was the Raptors, you know, best player, him and Kyle, you know, they kind of traded on and off, but he, he's definitely really good number one option. Obviously, I just didn't give him an A plus just because simply there is still a few holes in his game where, you know, obviously yeah. his ability to pull up in the mid range off an ISO or that kind of thing. But he, he, and obviously I'm not the first one to say this, but he might be the best three year improvement story in NBA history. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, but, you know, with, with Pascal, it's just it's very tough to evaluate pascal because he constantly raises the bar for himself mm-hmm. like if you were just talking about preseason expectations of course he shatters those preseason expectations but now after we've seen him become a number one guy now our expectation is okay we need you to be an elite number one guy right and so it's it's really he's almost a victim of his own um success in a way but yeah there are still things to you know improve with this game like the fact that his efficiency dropped 
you know, pretty much 10 percentage points in field goal percentage um, from season to season is a bit of a concern. But again, it's completely understandable when you sort of see the jump and sort of the difference in how he's playing his game. He's isolating a lot more. He's handling a lot more in the pick and roll. Uh, he's shooting a lot more top of the floor threes. Like last year, he only made one pull up, which is one top of the floor th- pull up three. Um, and he only took eight attempts. He's already at like 46 made uh, pull up threes this year at the top of the floor. So uh, it, it's it's such a dramatic change in his game. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is sort of uh, something, you know, he's, he's continuing to develop. And I'm really expect I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, even though his age, like he, you would think that his, he's just coming into his prime and everything like that. I think, honestly, if he can sharpen some of the things that he's already shown this year, He's shown so many flashes of just like star quality that I'm pretty sure that he's going to uh, come back even stronger after this and just polish up some things like, as you mentioned, the pull up game in the mid range, uh, maybe pass a little bit better, too, because, you know, for a guy taking that many shots, you would expect one to three point six assists. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Pascal's a guy who I mean, he lived up to that contract. Absolutely. So I'm giving you an A. Yeah, he uh I mean he'll he'll be an all-star for years to come and as you said I think he's definitely going to come back next year even better even if his his skill set doesn't necessarily jump a whole bunch just his experience from being a number 1 option all year and obviously Nick Nurse, you know, has basically just put him in tough situations and you know kind of not necessarily helped him out as much or kind of you know let him battle through some stuff so he'll have learned a lot from this year and I I mean I'm really excited to see what he's kind of like in the playoffs obviously they won't be the same level of atmospheres in this year's playoff with no fans but uh it's still you know the biggest stage in the NBA season so it'll be really cool to see how he does in the playoffs and finally let's move on to Kyle Lowry obviously you know people say whether it's him or Siakam as the best player um obviously Kyle's the leader and he, he he's he's a bulldog he's He's amazing. I, I People talk about LeBron, how he only gets better with age, and obviously Kyle's not in the same stratosphere, but I feel like Kyle just keeps improving. I mean, obviously his 2015-16 seasons would probably be labeled as the best, but I was expecting such a drop-off this year, and he just he shot up five points per game. His efficiencies you know, kind of stayed around the same, if not got better. So Kyle, Kyle's just amazing, and literally as a Raptors fan, you should never have anything bad to say about him. Yeah, um... Absolutely. And again, the defying age thing is just so big, right? Because it, it seemed like he was on not necessarily a downward trajectory, but like a graceful right. um, decline, re- reduction mm-hmm. or decline and sort of just transitioning to his next phase. So for him to pull back and then go back to being a guy who can give you 20, 20 points a game while still giving you a ton of assists, while still taking charges and still playing like just balls to the wall and just like being a leader for the team as well, like it's it's quite frankly um it's it's been amazing to watch like honestly there's even it's more difficult to make the all nba case for kyle Lowry than it is to make it for pascal but i think honestly like kyle has been on that level that good like people will really praise you know chris paul and things like that chris paul had a really nice season for okc you don't want to take anything away from him uh in terms of what he accomplished but kyle Lowry did that exact same thing for the raptors and the raptors are actually more successful than okc so um yeah, Kyle was 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 great this year for sure, um, and it's just been really, really enjoyable to watch because you know what? Part of it is also just you're not necessarily watching basketball just for the production and things like that. You're also watching basketball as sort of like you know uh, you follow these players and you try to you know get some sort of enjoyment from them 
um, you know, in terms of their storylines and narratives. And for Kyle Lowry to break all those playoff narratives last year, to come out the way he did in Game Six of the Finals, uh, for Kawhi to say, you know, he were you were the you were the Finals MVP tonight in Game Six in that closeout game on the road, um, to get all that recognition, and then for this entire season. And for him to back all that up and for him to get that much praise and for us to have that much to cheer about, like, yeah, I'm very happy with Kyle. So he gets an A as well. Look, I feel like I'm being super positive with everybody, but when you're <laughs> when you're banged up all season and you lose Kawhi and Danny uh, and you're still the second seed in the Easter Conference, um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I that know. was that was my whole kind of. You're thought. gonna get a lot of A's. Yeah, that was my whole kind of thought in doing this was that this team like overperformed so much. So like, uh, like I kind of want to see how each player or how we think each player did on the individual level. And I mean, when you lose arguably the best player in the world, and there's some analyst, Sam Mitchell, not even predicting you to make the playoffs, clearly you overperformed expectations. So uh, one thing that is funny about Kyle is you know. I think of this Dallas Maverick game. When I think of Kyle Lowry, I think of this year's Dallas Maverick comeback. And it's weird because obviously there's game six in the finals. There's the game seven versus the Heat. There's even game one versus Milwaukee where we did lose. But I just, whenever I think of Kyle Lowry game, I always think of that 30-point comeback first because he was just a man on a mission that day. Yeah, it honestly might be his best game as a Raptor. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Just some <laughs> random Sunday afternoon. I was flipping back and forth between um, there was playoff football on and that. And I found myself like when the when when Dallas grew the lead, I was watching a lot more football. But then as the comeback started, my 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 switch got less and less till the final of the point. I was just watching commercials on the Raptors channel because I didn't want to miss a second. So uh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, Will, I know you got to get going. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Do you have anything you kind of want to shout out before we go? Um, yeah, support. Uh, I don't know. Support. Uh, just support Raptors Media, man. Like, listen. Um, there's so many people doing great things in the Raptors Media right now, and honestly, a lot of the product that's a lot of the really good stuff that's made um, isn't even you know with a big organization. Um, you know, obviously, there is a lot of great work being done by reporters and things like that, but. Um, there's platforms popping up all over the place and it's, it's really cool to hear all these different perspectives and, um, yeah, like go out our way to support them because, you know, the more coverage we get of the Raptors, um, the more love they get and the more content you get. So, um, support independent Raptors creators. Right. And I mean, uh, go subscribe to his podcast, the Raptors over everything pod. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably already are, but if you're not go listen, Will's got great content there and, he pumps out a lot, even even during quarantine. So I definitely commend you for that. Uh, and as always, follow me on Twitter at ZachWilson50. Uh, I post all my articles and pods there. So it's easy to just check it out there than me saying everywhere. Uh, Will, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me.